Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined as always by Dane Brugler, who uh, has found another 45 minutes to an hour to take out of his schedule somehow as he gets the draft guide uh, ready for you all and gets everything covered on that end things. Also got a special guest this week, Kevin Turner. You can get him on Twitter at KTFunTweets. He's the uh, host of the About Them Cowboys podcast here on The Athletic. You can also get him on DallasCowboys.com, the draft show. Um, so uh, happy to have a full house here. Got Ken Garrison, our producer, behind the scenes. I mentioned uh, Dane's draft guide. Those of you who've been listening already aware of this, but uh, a subscription to The Athletic gets you access to the beast, to Jane's incredible draft guide that comes out early April. That's the only way you can get access to it is by subscribing to The Athletics. So if you go to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros, you can get 40% off a subscription. And uh, then Dane will let everyone know when that draft guide's ready to roll. Getting a little closer here, a few weeks away from when we get to see that. Uh, and oh, yeah, as I, as I told everyone, oh. <laughs> it's uh, very useful <laughs> Not just for the three weeks, four weeks leading up to the draft, but well beyond that. So, uh, guys, welcome. We got the combine next week. Um, how you how you guys looking with your forty times? We got any burners in this <laughs> room? KT, have you ever run a forty? Uh, yeah, I have. It's it's not pretty, and I've also uh, <laughs> gained a lot of weight since then. So yeah, it would be over it would under be really bad. five five over. Yeah, okay. over. I might be Are in that kind of being? Orlando. Yeah, I'd kind of be in that Orlando Brown territory. I think I was probably under when I was like maybe a freshman in high school, but ever since then, probably not so much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I, don't, I never, I never actually ran one. So have you, Chris? I haven't. I, I'm pretty sure I'd be drawn like the rich eyes and comps. So uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think they're putting me on any highlight reels. I might have uh, an incomplete at this stage in my life with a hand. <laughs> yeah, some people need a stopwatch. Some need more of a sundial. You know, it's it happens. So, uh, but no, I, I think this is the, the combine is it's it's tough because you know it receives some bad uh, some bad press because you know it's labeled as the underwear Olympics. It's the you know it's you know, it's overrated because all you know, it's the forty yard dash and things like this, but. It combines so much more than just the forty-yard dash, and it's first of all for just a little bit of background. Uh, people have not heard me talk about it before, but I mean, the combine was created uh, for the medicals. That's why that's the most important step of this. Uh, you know, in kind of like the early '80s, uh, instead of flying these guys all over the country to get uh, medical uh, uh, diagnosed from each team and everything like that, that's they come to one central location, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of the country and uh, all the team doctors are there. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's something that is, uh, you know, Indianapolis is unique because of they have the medical inform- medical equipment to handle, you know, 330, uh, you know, different M- MRIs and, you know, it's just a short span, which not every country has or not every part of the country has. Um, and, I, I do think we're going to see the combine become more of a, a traveling roadshow here, but the medical equipment's a big uh, piece of that equation. But anyway, th- the medical evaluations, that's the biggest part of the combine. And then after that, it's the interviews. Uh, teams get a chance to sit down with these players. Um, for a lot of these GMs and coaches, it's it's their first impression uh, to especially these underclassmen. Some of these seniors they've seen 
at the Senior Bowl or the the Shrine Game or NFLPA or maybe throughout the season on the road, um, you know, at school calls, things like that. But for a lot of these underclassmen, this is their first interaction with them, uh, a chance to ask them questions, a chance to put them, uh, you know, a little more hands-on stuff with uh, certain situations, you know, recalling certain plays and, you know, mistakes and what they did here and what they would have done different, things like that. So it's, it is definitely a grueling interview process for these guys. And this year, it's even more unique with the, the primetime schedule. And that kind of throws everything off uh, with what we've been used to. And, you know, we know NFL teams and their personnel departments, they're creatures of habit. And so this is going to be interesting to see how the primetime schedule, instead of having all the drills in the morning, having them at night, how that's going to affect things um, with the interviews going on in the afternoon uh, really, really interesting um, as they make this a more fan friendly and, and a more of a viewership type of event. Yeah, I, I, that'll be. We talked about uh, sort of the challenges of that from the. It's there's going to be some long days in Indianapolis. <laughs> there already are oh, yeah. usually most years, uh, but starting. I mean, the media access starts at uh, eight. I think Tuesday is the first day we, we get kind of everyone uh, start getting the players in on the podiums and at the tables and then the coaches and GMs. That's also the day they're talking. Then there's the first round of drills. And then, uh, you know, everyone sort of goes their own way and reconvenes at like the three bars in downtown Indianapolis till <laughs> however, whatever hour of the morning. So uh, a bit of a stamina test for everyone who's not participating in the combine. But uh, you mentioned the medicals and that's always – uh, that's always sort of the big headline, I think, a lot of times, uh, especially when we get guys. Was it Montez Sweat last year, I think? We had Maurice Hurst. I mean, guys, guys that get mm-hmm. flagged along the way for things that we didn't know about beforehand. And then you also have the guys going in that you know, you know, we're all waiting to hear what uh, Tua's evaluation is going to be. But, you know, there were a handful of guys, for example, the, like Brandon Ayuk had to uh, – get bumped out of the senior bowl because of uh hip i think so you know you're looking Ab- at abdominal see, yeah abdominal okay so you're looking to see like some of those guys are they all healthy now is everyone back to 100 percent? and um, we've talked about a few of these guys that have injury issues maybe won't be working out even this week but just need to sort of get uh maybe not even a clean bill of health but just that the progress is headed in the right direction so that's always such a such a big deal for some of these guys and even more so this year because uh of what's going on with Tua. Right. And yeah, Ayuk was actually misdiagnosed with the hip when it was actually the abdominal. And unfortunately, okay. that's why he had missed the senior bowl. But hopefully, you know, he should be um, good to go for uh, the combine. Uh, but I don't know, KT, is there one maybe besides Tua? Because obviously we know about him. Is there is there any, another one of these prospects that, you know, were that sticks out to you as being maybe a medical risk? that uh, where their their medicals at the combine is going to be uh something that you know you're going to be really locked on to to see if you know once we get that information I, I might be going a little a little far down the board here but a guy that i really want to know about because i had heard through some back channels some kind of wild things about him was the cornerback from louisiana tech amik robertson mm. and mm-hmm. uh you know if we want to be more mainstream i would bring up lavisca chenault but i do want to talk about robertson for a minute because I had gotten some information back in, I guess, really end of December. It's like, man, his hip is really bad. And then a couple of weeks ago, he was uh, working out here in DFW and talking to a couple of reporters. And he was like, ah, it's not my hip, it's my groin, and it's not yep. that bad. And I'm going, okay, so maybe there is some misnomers about him. So 
Let's get to Indianapolis and find out what's going on with Amik Robertson, who is a cornerback that I like. He's kind of a tiny guy, but 14 interceptions over the last three years. I thought he was really good at Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, he's the type of guy, and we're trying to find ways to separate this cornerback class. Once you get down, you know, past the top, you know, five to ten guys, you know, I, I, a guy I like quite a bit, but I go, I don't know if he can turn. I don't know if his hip is bad. I don't know if his groin is bad. And, you know, I want to get some answers on him. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's very interesting. I'll never forget covering the, the Jalen Smith year where mm. the opinions on him varied wildly in 2016. And it was kind of surreal to, you know, just be with you guys, uh, to be with you guys and then talk to different people and just go, man, I, I have no idea what to think about <laughs> this guy right now. Right. And some of these guys require the medical rechecks. Uh, they have to go back uh, in April to get checked out again. And uh, Robertson, no, it's a good name because I don't know if he's going to go top 100 just because the size is going to be an issue for a lot of teams, um, even if he does receive a few you know, third-round grades out there. But, I mean, the ball production, I mean, that speaks for itself. And that alone is why he's going to be considered on day two. Um, but he, he is a good football player and I, the, you're right. The groin's going to keep him from working out at the combine. So unfortunately we're not going to have, you know, a 40 time from the combine for him or some of these other agility drills just to, to put on, um, put on the board next to his name. Uh, there, there's a few of these guys that, you know, really stick out to me as players that we, we just need to find out more about. And, you know, one guy that I know I'm eager to find out about is uh, the tight end from Washington, Hunter Bryant. Who like his his medicals are going to directly influence his, his grade. He is a he's more of a receiver playing tight end, um, but he could be a mismatch guy. He had a sp- sprained ACL uh, as a freshman. Then he had uh, meniscus uh, the following summer. So the knee is something that really needs to be checked out. And then he also had a fractured back in high school. So the medicals are going to be huge on Bryant to see if. I mean, he is my, I think, my number four tight end right now going into the combine. But the medicals uh, could end up dropping him out of the top five tight ends, out of the top 100 altogether. So that's one of those guys. uh, And there's, I'm working on my combine preview right now. And I've got about 25, 30 different names of guys that, uh, where the medicals are going to be huge in terms of uh, determining their draft grade. What about the TCU offensive lineman? Lucas Yang. Yeah, Lucas Niang, who he suffered that labrum tear in his hip uh, last year, uh, and it was he decided not to get surgery. He decided on the the rest and uh, that 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 direction, and it was more of a pain management issue. And he made it midway through the season this year as a senior before you know the doctors just said you got to shut it down. You need surgery, and so um, that's the, you know you always worry about. I mean, Trey Adams from Washington, another one with his knee and his back. You just always worry about those big guys, and when they have some of the, you know, a hip issue, like that's 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 a big deal. Um, and so, you know, getting an update on, you know, what his recovery is and how it's healing, and any long term worries, and that's the thing with these medicals, you you have to trust your doctors, and and the, the way they do this, not every team does this. Each team has their own way of doing things, their own grading system. But a common theme uh, that a lot of teams will use is just a one through five system. And so one is, you know, what you're hoping for. That That's zero issues. You know, he is a clean bill of health guy. And so you're looking for those ones. Twos and threes, you can maybe live with. Uh, no, those are a little bit of a concern. 
But four and fives, that's what's going to take you off the draft board. And so if you're, you, know, you really like Niang, you think he's a future NFL starter, which I think he is. But if he comes back with a four from the doctors, you just you can't ignore that and say, well, maybe he's still worth the chance. I mean, you have to take him off the draft board, unfortunately. So hopefully these guys, when it's all said and done, we're talking about twos and threes and not fours and fives. Let me throw one more name out for you there, Dan, see if you have any uh, thoughts here, because it was mentioned the senior bowl mm-hmm. injuries. Uh, Javon Kinlaw had to cut his week short there because uh, of some knee tendonitis. He was sort of hobbling around the last practice and obviously did it did enough before that injury happened uh, to really sort of open some eyes and solidify, at least maybe solidify his draft stock. But there were some, we, we talked when we were down there, there were a little bit of rumblings that maybe teams were worried that that wasn't just like a, that, that weak thing. Like they were worried that that was maybe more of a long-term problem. I don't know if you've heard anything since then on him, but that was one that I kind of had circled going into this week just to see if that, you know, if that was something that was sort of, centralized to that week or if we're going to be talking about a a kind of long-term health problem there yeah and i think teams are going to take a wait and see approach until the combine to get more more info on it um and you hope it's not something that is going to be like a a, you know he's going to play his rookie contract and then you kind of worry about it after that but you hope it's you know and you know we've seen guys like that before like jay ajayi and different guys who you know he's healthy right now but you know, it's more of a longevity issue. And with Kinlaw, we heard about the knee at the end of the season. And then he goes to the combine, has to pull out because the tendonitis, like you said. Uh, but hopefully it's something where he gets back, you know, a, 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 at least some optimism from doctors that, yeah, you know, it's a part of it. But as long as, you know, the pain doesn't become overwhelming, it's something that shouldn't be an issue long term. And, you know, and as long as you get that, hopefully uh you know he's he's still going to be in the mid first round to maybe even early first round range um he also another guy who had uh the torn labrum in his hip uh after his junior year and had the offseason surgery so there are definitely a few few reasons why Javon Kinlaw his name I, I wrote his name down on my list of guys with medical concerns who need to come out of the combine with uh, with some optimism surrounding uh, you know the, the medicals and you know the doctors feeling good about what they what they've seen um, another guy I wanted to mention uh, the guard from Fresno State Muti who I don't know how anybody like I, I released my interior offensive lineman rankings um, I've been going position by position um just posted edge rushers today hopefully i'll get through the what final four positions here before the combine uh but when i did my interior offensive lineman i did not did not include muti and you know i heard from a lot of people about why and i just i have no clue how you possibly rank this guy without having more information about the medicals i mean he the last four years he spent four years at fresno state three of those were basically lost years because of season ending injuries uh, i mean he he ruptured both Achilles, his left and his right. And this past year, it was the, the Lisfranc foot surgery. Um, so I just, I don't know how you can properly rank this guy. Because on ta- based on talent, based on, on, the, on the field, he looks like a second round guy to me. I, there's a lot of ability there. Played left tackle, probably better inside a guard. Uh, but there's a lot to like there. It's just, you know, until I receive some good information from, you know, my sources about the medical information, it's just it's really tough to uh, rank a guy like that right now. 
Well, I do want to get into the on-field stuff, the uh, 40-yard dash, especially here. Got uh, got some props mm. for the 40 times for a few of these guys. I wanted to see uh, if you want to go over or under. But uh, before we get to that, like that, you mentioned the medicals. We talked about that. We also talked last week a little bit, too, about just how important the off-field stuff is beyond the medicals, the meetings with these teams. You know, they get uh, 45, I believe it is, formal meetings this year yep. with players. Uh, that's on top of whatever they did at the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game and all that, and uh, on top of the uh, visits prospects can make um, two teams once we get past this point and then, uh, you know, pro days and all that. But they get 45 at the Combine. Teams can sit down with 45 prospects. Uh, just from a – in terms of how you guys scout this draft, um, you know, because we do this every year trying to figure out team fits and, and player rankings and all that, and – admittedly we're missing a huge chunk of this because i think a lot of it depends on what teams see especially if you're talking about you know the quarterback position what teams see when they get guys in those rooms and put them on a whiteboard and and sort of try to learn about their personalities a little bit so uh kt i'll start with you like just how do you bridge that gap like how do you know that we're missing something that other that all the teams have uh and still try to get to a point where you're you know you're comfortable with where you're ranking these prospects that's the hardest part of it for me i think there's a the name that jumps out at me is kind of like the classic example is laquan treadwell i think we liked laquan treadwell on tape or i did i know and yeah and then mm -hmm. you just like oh i didn't really get to interview him or i didn't get to hang out with him and talk about route concepts <laughs> and learning an offense and how to do all that stuff and you know, we always know that was kind of a weird offense at Mississippi that he was involved with anyways, where he was only asked to do a few things. You know, oh, oh they're going to ask him to run 10 routes and different verbiage. Like, that's that's hard to know. Um, but I also think in, in this day and age, you know, demeanor is a big part of it. And I go back to another example last year, just kind of Ja'Kai Polite, the edge rusher from Florida, <laughs> just how it's not that, like, he had anything on his record, but, it's like, everyone's like, well, he just kind of – Gave off a bad vibe, or a, uh, he didn't really uh, carry himself well in the interview. So I don't want to draft him, and then he slides down the board. But that is by far the most difficult thing, and and the privilege that these NFL teams have getting to really meet with these guys and really ask them some hard questions and uh, really try to get to know these guys as best as they can. But I, I think that just adds to the whole fact of this whole thing being an an exact science because. If you're talking about, well, I got to interview this guy for 45 minutes, you still probably don't know, <laughs> you know, everything you need to know. I, I think it's a fascinating thing, and I'm glad the teams get a chance to do this. But this is where, to me, the, the scouting stuff. This is the this is the part that'll make my head turn at night and make me lose sleep. Is going, I think I got this guy right, but I definitely could be wrong because I don't know him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and that's. I, I struggle with this part of it because, you know, I, I I spend every day I'm on the phone or I'm texting with different contacts throughout the league talking about these players. And, you know, like an example is over the last month, like I, I really like Damon Arnett from Ohio State. I think he's a top 40 talent in this draft. Uh, but then I started getting some info about how uh, you know unprofessional some of his meetings have been and how he has carried himself and how he butted heads with some people at Ohio State and how this isn't just a recent issue or a one-time thing. Like it's there's real maturity questions here. And when you check in with multiple teams and get the same feedback, that's not teams feeding me bad information. That's not 
um, something that's a minor deal. It's a major deal. And in a crowded cornerback class like this, uh, you know, in that day two area, uh, you know, that could push Damon Arnett uh, behind some of these guys like, uh, you know, an AJ Terrell or a Bryce Hall or, you know, we just don't know how team because different teams have different appetites for risk. And look, there are times when I will talk to a, one team after the combine and say, well, how would player X do? And his interview was awful. Like he he looked like he just was disinterested. He he did not he could not uh, recall some of his plays. It just you know on and on and on for all these reasons. The interview was not good. But then you talk to another team and say, well, it was pleasantly surprising. He did a nice job with this. This I mean, there are times where interviews will go app you know just so different from team to team. Uh, because of what they're looking for, maybe what they're asking, the questions, uh, and just these guys are human beings, you know, like they just they're not going to be uh, robots for every single interview. And so, you know, it, and different teams have different appetites for risk. So it's just from team to team, it's just going to be different. And um, so, you know, in my combine piece that I'm working on, I tried to come up with, you know, 20, 25 names of guys that do have maybe not criminal backgrounds, but something going on with the that's been questioned about their maturity or maybe some character questions. And sometimes at the combine, you can answer the questions and, you know, these teams can get the answers they're looking for and they can feel better about a player leaving the combine. But not every, not every team. And at the combine, there's there's two, there's formal interviews and informal interviews. The the informal stuff, that's the train station. That's that's the wild west, the speed dating part of it. The formal interviews, that's what's changed this year. Instead of the 60 15 minute interviews, we now have 45 uh, 18 minute interviews. And that's where teams have a chance to and not every team uses all 60. So I don't know if it's, you know, a huge deal that they're moving down to 45. Um, you know, a chance to maybe streamline what they're doing a little bit, but, um, you know, it's a chance for, uh, teams to get to know these guys. And like I said, it's the first impression for, um, a lot of these GMs and coaches who haven't met, especially these, uh, underclassmen yet. Yeah. The, uh, (laughs) the informal interviews always trip up the, when the guys are up on the podium and every report, every beat reporter is screaming at them. (laughs) Have you met with the giants? Have you met with the dolphins? And like 85% of the time they're talking about the informal interviews and that's where everyone talks to everyone. And so, uh, I don't know that, I don't know that those help us get a great feel for the players, but, uh, like I said, I wanted to get into some of the on-field drills. We got a lot of guys that, Oh, a lot of guys to watch as Dave mentioned, he's got, uh, starting to roll out or has been rolling out his, um, pre combine, uh, positional rankings, which are up. If you don't have that athletic subscription yet to read those, you can get over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros, as I mentioned, and get 40% off. So $2.99 a month. And then you get Dane's uh, draft guide, which is probably worth that price as it is. So um, definitely head over there if you haven't picked up a subscription. Thanks to everyone who has, and especially thanks to everyone who's done so through that link because uh helps us uh, let us helps let us know that you're listening and and enjoying uh, not just the show here but the the product on the athletic. So uh, we appreciate that. So I wanted to get into uh, some of the on field stuff. I got some uh, over under forty times here sent over from the folks at uh, Bet Online. I'm not going to go through all these because I have there's like twelve or fifteen names here, but a couple interesting ones and a couple interesting quarterbacks. I wanted to toss out and uh, see where you guys land on these. So. Um, before we get into any of the real nitty gritty, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, they got it four point eight one seconds. Mm, Going over okay. under there. 
think over. Um, yeah, I'm going to go over slightly over as well. I think he's going to be more like four eight five. All right, we yeah. got. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Uh, if you say over, it's hard for me to not say over because I trust you. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought it seemed. It seemed. To, I, I'm also looking at it in comparison to. Uh, they've got Justin Herbert at 4.71 and Jalen Hurts at 4.58. So are you seeing that much of a gap between Burrow and those other guys? Yeah, I do. I like Herbert I think is going to be would you say 4.71? Yep. That that's right where I think he's 4.68 to 4.72. That that'd be my guess for Herbert. So I think that's right in line with where I think he's going to be. Um Hurts, uh yeah, I think he's like four six zero, so uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, these guys know what they're talking about, obviously, because I think they're close. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, they, they do. Uh, so Burrow, I think, just slightly over Herbert. I'll say slightly under, and Hertz, I'll say slightly over, like four six zero for him. And, he, hey, for anybody listening, this is yeah. something that I, I suggest people do, like. Have an idea of what you think. You know, if you've seen these guys play, have an idea of what you think these guys are going to run. You know, in your mind, have a number. And if you get it wrong, don't feel bad. That just tells you, okay, well, I'm gonna, I need to go back and I need to look. And just for, uh, you know, background info, there's the old adage is there's a 90-10 rule. You know, 90% of these times and results are pretty much going to match up with what you see on film. But there's always about 10% that are different and you need to go back and figure out, okay, what am I missing? Is he just, is he track fast and maybe not as fast in pads? Is it as simple as that? Or maybe, maybe the tapes I watched, he was dealing with a hamstring, you know, and he is actually faster than what I saw. And so it's important because that's what the combine is. It's just a cross-checking exercise. It's important to have an idea going into the draft or into the combine about what they're going to run. So you have some some idea because uh, if it's different than what you think then you need to go back and investigate just exactly why okay well i'll, I'll test you here then uh what do you think the henry ruggs line's at Ooh, interesting um it's the lowest it's I, the lowest one here on the on the list I guess. yeah i would say i don't know four three one I I think he is in the four twos, but I think it's like four two nine. See, this is the one that jumped out to me because they have it at four three eight, and he seems oh, wow. faster than that to me. They they also have a there's also a prop here whether he or uh, Jalen Rager will run a faster forty. Uh, Rugs pretty heavy favorite there, but that I don't have the they don't have the other forty time listed. They just have Rugs four three eight, but they have him at four three eight. They have Jerry Judy at four four four, and I, I don't know. Rugs seem I, I was expecting Ruggs to be <laughs> faster than that, so I guess we'll we'll see what he actually runs when we get in there. But uh, Ju- Judy I mean, will be interesting to see what he yeah. runs. I I think he's because he he's not a guy that he strikes me as football fast. I mean, you watch him in games and he's destroying guys with his uh, with his speed, but I don't think he's necessarily straight line going to run you know in the forty yard dash as fast as maybe we think. So. I, yeah, I think, you know, Judy, I would guess like a 4-4-2, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's closer to 4-5 when it's all said and done just because of, um, you know, they don't always line up. But yeah, I, I agree on rugs. I, if I had a guess on what he's going to run, I would say 4-2-8, 4-2-9. Uh, and that's why I hmm. said 4-3-1. So yeah, the yeah. 4-3-8 is a little surprising. 
you know, my 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 guy to watch here in the 48 wide receiver that, you know, he's not being talked about because he's, you know, day three type guy. But I've got it on pretty good authority that Courtney Davis of Texas A&M is going to run in the four threes. That's six mm. two guy, you know, a little taller, kind of kind of lengthier guy. But I'm getting that it's going to be in the four threes for him too. That'd which I know he's a very him. inconsistent and some, sometimes frustrating player. <laughs> Courtney Davis is, but <laughs> uh, I think you know when a Courtney Davis type runs a four three four, the whole world goes, "Oh my God, what have I missed?" You know, and then you'll go watch right. him and go, "Man, why is he so frustrating, but also good sometimes." Well, I was told how good he was at the senior bowl before it kicked off. And I was like, okay, well, let's see it. And I didn't see it. So, you know, I, he needs good times to kind of remind people that, hey, yeah, I am, you know, still a guy you should be considering in the, you know, mid rounds. Well, this is sort of the conversation every year, too, is we put so much emphasis on this 40 yard dash. And even at wide receiver, I mean, and Judy's an extreme example because he's maybe wide receiver one in this class. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you run a 4 4, if he even if he's at four five with the way he runs his routes, I mean that that's something that you're not measuring in the forty yard dash, the the route running, just the know how. Uh, and I think it's interesting too. We always sort of talk about the importance of the forty yard dash with the the cornerback position and the defensive backs. I think teams are paying uh, maybe more attention to that or focusing on the three cone. I mean, I think there's a lot more on what linebackers are doing now too, just because of how they're being used in coverage and sort of all the things that they have to do. I think that that's, you know, we always sort of settle in on the wide receivers and the cornerbacks in this 40 yard dash and uh, some of these athletic drills, but I think certainly it, uh, it matters uh, for these other positions. Like, I don't know that you care as much what the 40 yard time is for a nose tackle, but uh, mm. you'll hear teams talk about the 10 yard splits. You'll, uh, again, the three cones, some of those other athletic drills, it all kind of adds up, uh, try and give you a full picture. <laughs> we do spend a lot of time fo- focusing just on the 40 yard dash. Yeah. Right. And if, if for certain positions or stopwatch positions, uh, cornerback, uh, especially is a stopwatch position. So that's where speed really matters. Wide receiver, uh, obviously as well. Um, so yeah, I think you're right about, you know, not it, certain drills will matter differently for certain, um, certain positions. Um, I think the three cone is my favorite drill personally, just, yeah. I, I think it, it helps measure your change of direction, your short area quickness. And, you know, I mean, I don't care what position you're playing. The three cone can help give you an idea of just your overall athleticism. And so, doesn't matter if, yeah, you are a nose tackle or a safety or a running back, whatever. I think the three cone definitely has value um, more so than some of these other drills. I think my favorite's the uh, the gauntlet. The wide receivers and the tight ends oh, yeah. have to run the, you know, run the line and make like five or six catches. And that, that actually kind of yeah. pins into our next topic here where I because I have a couple guys I'm interested to see uh, in that drill and some of the positional drills. Malcolm Perry, who we talked about last week, and mm. then uh, Lynn, Lynn Bowden from Kentucky's mm-hmm. with the wide receiver group. And those are a couple guys like, you know, with uh, like, are you getting Taysom Hill is probably not going to like this comparison because he wants to be a quarterback. But, you know, are you getting Taysom Hill, who's that gadget offensive guy? Or are you getting like Antoine Randall who's sort of a positionless player that you can have all, all over the field at all times? And I think it's uh, the, those wide receiver drills would be interesting for those couple guys. So um, anyone else? uh KT, anyone on your radar that you're really looking forward to seeing next week in Indianapolis? Just to either someone that you think uh, you're higher on than a lot of people, or that you you need to see just to kind of solidify where he's at for you. 
Well, yeah, and I'm still having uh, you know troubles. Obviously, we're all having troubles. I think separating the wide receiver group because it's insane this year. But you know, looking at some of these edge rushers too, like I, I do want to see is uh, Caleb on Chase on. How is he going to test out? Because oh, he's, he's going to so, blow it up. Yeah, yeah. I want to see how uh, that stacks up compared to Matos from Penn State and even Epinesa from Iowa, and kind of comparing those things because if. You know, I don't think it's going to change my evaluation, you know, too much, but it's still something to add to your notes and kind of when you're kind of grading some of those edge players and because I'm still kind of struggling to get a real good consensus on that stack, you know, from the top all the way down. And I agree with Chris as well. I I do love the gauntlet. I, I think the way a player can, you know, rotate his hips back and forth, when he's running through there, just how smooth he looks catching the ball with his hands. You know, when the spotlight truly is on you, you know, you only get a couple goes at that. I, I think it really does tell you a little bit about the player when they just kind of breeze through it and it looks very easy. So I really enjoy those two drills. And I think also, you know, it's not, uh, you know, a drill that I think you, you watch a ton and get a, you know, it's not a sexy drill. But some of these bigger wide receivers, you know, I want to see kind of what their 10-yard split is. Kind of looking at some mm. of those guys, like can Antonio Gandy Golden, you know, can he turn it all, <laughs> or is he just kind of <laughs> gonna be that big lumbering guy? Like, what what can he do that can make me kind of change the way I might feel about him? And those are those are kind of the things that I enjoy uh, watching, at least for the on on field stuff. Aside from watching the quarterbacks throw with a little bit of anticipation, I like watching that as well. I think Gandy Golden's gonna surprise you a little bit because I I do think he's got some some fluidity, some flexibility. We have to remember he was a big time gymnast, like the first uh, yeah, 12, 13, 14 years of his life. And I think that's going to show a little bit with some of these drills with how he moves. Um, and I, I agree with you guys about the gauntlet. It's, it's fun. I, there have been some whispers uh, they've talked about in the past about timing it. So, you know, just another element to the gauntlet. Uh, not only are you running a straight line, not only are you catching the football, but how quickly are you getting through it? Because some of those guys will slow play it a little bit to uh, make sure that they do catch the football and they're staying on the, you know, the straight plane when that's not really the point of the drill. The point of the drill is to show that you can do it quickly, quickly find the football, snatch it uh, and look for the next one. So uh, putting a timer on it also matches up with like we kind of said at the top about them changing the combine to be more viewer friendly and put more competition into this thing. And so I, I just warning people that really like the combine the way it is right now, there is going to be a ton of change starting this year. And in the next three or four years about just changing this whole setup to being more viewer friendly and doing little tweaks here and there to uh, make it a little more TV friendly. And so it's, it's something that's going to be an adjustment period for everybody. And, you know, I think it's, you know, the the purpose isn't exactly for what's best for NFL teams to do their job. It's more for uh, the fan and for TV viewership. But, you know, it is what it is. And that's just part of it. Um, a few other guys I did want to mention for some of the workouts. Um, I agree about Chase on. I think the over under for his 40 yard dash, I would put at four, five, three which is just ridiculous for a pass rusher. Um, but I think that's what's around what it's going to be. And then vertical over under 40 inches. Um, so I think that guy's going to uh, test like a freak. Um, 
Davion Taylor from Colorado. Uh, this is a player who uh, doesn't, you know, he, most people know his backstory. He didn't play football in high school because of religious reasons. Um, didn't really play until he went to the Juco level and then went to Colorado. Had a, as a solid career there. But this is a guy who also ran track at um, at Colorado. Uh, ran his personal best in the 100 meters at 10.51, which is moving for a linebacker. Um, I think he's going to really show up uh, when it comes to uh, the 40-yard dash and some of these other drills. Uh, the Auburn corners, um, I think those guys especially are going to really show out with their speed. Uh, Igbenogany from, from Auburn, who's – uh, 5'11", 200 pounds. We'll see exactly how big he is. But his, I mean, he's the son of Olympic sprinters. So, I mean, he got some of those bloodlines and uh, eager to see what he can do in the 40-yard dash. Um, the other guy uh, being Javaris Davis, I think he could run in the low four threes. He's undersized, 5'9", 180. So that the size is working against him. But if he runs in the low four threes, that'll certainly help him uh, when it comes to draft time. I mean, I do want to see some of the quarterbacks too. I know it's, uh, you know, it's it's on air. There's no defense there, and but they're throwing. You know, it's a tough environment to step in there with everyone watching and throw to receivers you're not familiar with. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about the guys at the top too, but there's some some sleeper candidates in here. I mean, we I think at some point on this program we've hit on Cole McDonald a little bit. I I kind of like Jake Luton Luton, the quarterback mm. from Oregon State. Oregon State. I feel like he yeah. he could sneak in there uh as a kind of an underrated candidate. Um I mean, how much are you paying attention to those drills and then, you know, the the ball speed numbers we get uh afterward, just how hard they're throwing passes? Like how much is the quarterback performance in Indianapolis weighing on you? I think it's important just to, you know, see how the ball comes out of their hand. Um, you know, are they – the biggest thing I think is just making adjustments, um, you know, because you're dealing with uh, – you know, it's not a football setting. It's not – you know, you don't have pads on, helmet on. You're, there's no pressure. You're throwing against air like, to receivers that you've never thrown to before. So there's certainly elements that are just different. But you just want to see a player settle in and be comfortable. I mean, if he looks uh, just – frantic and he looks nervous i mean that's something that you can notice right away and something that will matter uh with teams but i i think it's really really hard to severely hurt yourself um throwing at the combine um you know if if joe burrow goes out there and just throws a bunch of ducks then who knows maybe that does hurt him a little bit but i remember cam newton one of the worst combine performances i've ever seen just throwing the football and he still went number one overall so you know it's it's something that I encourage all quarterbacks to go there and throw, show what you have, because uh, it's it's hard to hurt yourself in that setting. Yeah, for me on that, it's just kind of throwing with you know anticipation and watching guys, you know, be comfortable throwing it before the wide receiver makes his break, and it's kind of tough, you know, working with these guys who you don't have chemistry with. You know, mm. um, you, you might be throwing to guys that you've never thrown to, you know, very often. So I, I don't take it too seriously it, it's almost more like an exercise kind of looking at the, the lower end guys and maybe some guys uh, impress you and maybe some guys you know maybe kind of weed themselves out a little bit to, you know at the back of the quarterback class but I've never really taken it too seriously for those front end guys just because you know you've seen them play in very uh, intense environments you've seen some of them at the senior bowl so I've never put a lot of stock into it it's just something you have to check in on 
Right, agree. And one other guy I wanted to mention too, Denzel Mims. Uh, he had a great week at the Senior Bowl, and yeah, yeah. I, eager to see him kind of if he can continue that momentum here at the Combine. Uh, he's a really good sized player. Uh, he he, I think he's going to crush some of these workouts, and if he does. Then, you know, we're talking about Mims as maybe securing second round status, which is not an easy thing to do in this draft class. Um, so it's that's going to be really interesting to see, because I, I think when you talk about these the top senior receivers, to me, Brandon Ayuk's the, the top guy, then Michael Pittman. And then, you know, you're debating Brian Edwards from South Carolina, Gandy Golden, Denzel Mims, Claypool. So, you know, it's just trying to there's a little bit of that the, the chunk of those names. And can there be can one of these guys do do enough at the combine to move up ahead of some of these other names? Denzel Mims could be that guy. Yeah, Colin Johnson, too. Uh, uh, is it, That's yeah. a very – to see what he runs, because what if he comes out and runs a, you know, five, six, and you're like, okay. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're kind of looking for out of you, man. <laughs> Not but, ideal. Yeah. Well, and the, and the medicals yeah. will be big for him, too, uh, missing half the season. And, you know, I mean, he I get, he was the top senior for a lot of scouts coming into the year, the top senior wideout, and – you know, he missed half the year and just that in such a competitive wide receiver class, every little thing matters. Uh, so, yeah, it'll, it'll, the workouts will be important for a tall drink of water. Like yeah, and a couple of those names you mentioned, again, were senior bowl guys that had big weeks down there. I kind of want to see, you know, a month later now, what's the not even a month later, but a few weeks later, how's the momentum trending? You know, you you still getting the positive reviews on mm-hmm. talked about KJ Hill, but like Josh Jones, uh, Jason Strobridge was a guy that had a good senior bowl week. Um, a bunch of those receivers, as we talked about Jalen Elliott, um, just some guys that came out of that week. Uh, your, your guy, Kyle Duggar, obviously was one of the stars there. Like just how much yeah. are they carrying over into this? Because it is uh, all part of the process here. Um, any votes for, we get, get close to the end of the episode here. Any votes for who's going to be the, uh, the strongest guy. I think we got 39 bench press reps last year. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I think, had 36. I mean, anyone that's uh, – the record's still 49 back in 2011. Anyone threatening the record this year? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I do think the bench press is pointless. Uh, <laughs> and I – it's it, – it doesn't it, – it, it's all in – it's all about endurance. It does not measure – football strength at all um it's it's all about endurance who i mean I, okay I, I i it is relevant because it does show who puts in the time in the weight room you know it gives you an indication of that um and it but it's more a, a test of endurance more so than play strength and um i've never had an nfl scout or another player tell me different than that so <laughs> i'm sticking with it um you know i think a few of these guys i think will do well um you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, like a Derek Brown uh, from yeah. Auburn, who's he's so powerful and so explosive with his upper body. I mean, he's a guy that should have a really good number. Um, so I'll be interested to see what he does. You know, Lucky Fotu from Utah, uh, you know, what kind of number he could have. Um, it'll be interesting to see if any of these guys get near near 40 reps on the bench. Yeah, Fotu is the guy I was going to mention. But I always kind of think those Utah guys are, are pretty strong right there. Um uh, and, you know, I don't know. I I don't think anyone's jumping out this year to to maybe be a challenger for the forty nine <laughs> from twenty eleven. Um, yeah, that's I a big really number. Have... I don't think we've gotten even close. <laughs> Harrison Phillips at forty two. I think uh, 
Will Hernandez was up there. Like, I don't think yeah. anyone's gotten up to 49. <laughs> That's a big number. Well, I, I think Billy Billy Price two years ago, I think, was going to have a good shot at it until, unfortunately, uh, something messed up his shoulder, uh, his first 10 reps into the bench press. So hopefully we just have, cross our fingers, good health for the bench press. Yeah, it's year. funny you mentioned the – there's always – there's like the – the bleachers that are always full of scouts over there and kind of always go, you know, just wondering what they're even taking notes on for four hours in a row. I just remember going in there last year, the year uh-huh. before, and uh, Mike Vrabel was sitting there front row, like totally invested for the entire thing, like fo- full-on football guy mentality to sit there and watch the bench press for three, three yeah. four hours. But well, and yeah, again, I, it's more I don't about- know how much you get out of it. Yeah, it's it's more about seeing who's locked in and who's doing it effortlessly and who's really fighting it, you know, to to get an idea of who what these guys put in in the weight room. I mean, that that's really why they're so invested in it is because yeah, they want to see who really struggles through it because that's an indication of, you know, who spent the last 4 3 4 years in the weight room and who spent the last 3 4 weeks trying to prepare for it. Well, uh should be a fun week down there. It's always it's always uh yeah. Like I said, it's sort of an endurance test for everyone who goes down. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> the players point. and uh, players are ready to get out of there by the time it's over. But uh, yeah, it's a long, can be a long week for everyone who's down there. But a fun week, and uh, like the Senior Bowl, always cool to have you know everyone in one location uh, mm-hmm. for four or five days, where you know you're gonna run into some of the some of the big names in uh, football. And uh, and uh, Dane, like you said, it's sort of increasingly become more and more of a show. So we're probably like four years away from uh, Dion and Marshall Falk drafting <laughs> fantasy squads for this thing. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it's coming. Well, I'm telling you, it, it'll be in, it'll be in Vegas too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we'll enjoy Indianapolis uh, while we can. Um, we'll be down there um, recording from radio row, uh, the pro- prospects to pros podcast, uh, as well as uh, I think we'll have a few other, athletic podcast from down there set up on radio row so make sure you check back and uh should have plenty to listen to out of indianapolis uh on the athletic again go to the athletic.com slash prospects to pros get 40 percent off sort of i guess pre-order dane's draft guide the beast uh for early april and like i said we'll be back next week to sort of break down everything as we're seeing it in indianapolis see if we can uh give you a few tidbits from behind the scene there as we set up shop in the the Indianapolis uh, Convention Center down by the press conferences, wherever the ra- – I think Radio Row's in there with the press conference mm-hmm. set up. So should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's always one of my favorite weeks of the year. And like like you said, it, it's not going to be an Indy much longer, I feel. So definitely going to enjoy it these last few years if that's, that's what it ends up being because I, I do enjoy the downtown area and the week itself. So I can't wait. All right. Well, yeah, thanks, have a guys steak for... for me, guys, while you're out there. I don't get to <laughs> go. So I, I can do go that. Have I a promise. steak and a couple beers for me. And ship you a <laughs> shrimp cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, send it my way. I'm sure Those it'll travel probably. well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Well, like I said, we'll be back with you from Indianapolis next week. Dane's got his uh, pre-combine position rankings up at theathletic.com. So swing over and check those out and head over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros if you still need a subscription. So uh, for Kevin Turner and Dane Brugler and our producer Kent Garrison, I'm Chris Burke. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.